0: And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how today on the show, a position change spurs an improvement with Josh Jackson, Aaron Rodgers underrated start to camp and why that happens, plus uh, a little bit of insight into some issues with the NFL's COVID testing program and how it could potentially affect the NFL season. We will get to all of that, but let's start with Josh Jackson. Going into this season, the Green Bay Packers were going to have a decision to make about the future of the cornerback position, and it started with the decision to let Chandon Sullivan take that slot corner position from Tremont Williams, who played so well last year. Tremont Williams still currently a free agent, still someone certainly Green Bay could look to add if injuries happen. But beyond this season, they didn't know what would be opposite Jair Alexander. Even if Chandon Sullivan works out in the slot, He's probably not a boundary corner. You have Kevin King, you have Josh Jackson, you have Kadar Holman, and in King and Jackson, you have significant resources that have been poured into that position. And frankly, we don't know much about either of those players. We've seen Kevin King much more. Certainly, he has flashed more than Jackson, who has struggled for the most part in his time over the last two seasons, but he's been one of the strongest players in camp in terms of his consistency, his day-to-day playmaking. Every day he's making one, two, three, four plays, and he's doing it against real receivers, against Devontae Adams, against the size and speed of Equinemius St. Brown, and against Aaron Rodgers in one-on-ones, in seven-on-seven, and in 11-on-eleven. And when Mike Patton was asked about what was different for him, he pointed out that it was because Jackson was focused solely on playing the boundary corner position. It was something that they had dabbled in previously to allow him to play the slot. He even played some safety last season, and that was a potential position change that had been discussed. I talked about it when he was first drafted this opportunity okay, there's this this talented cornerback room all of a sudden, Kevin King, Tremont, J.R. Alexander. And what if Josh Jackson's best position is at free safety? It still very well may be. And when you look at what he did last season, according to Pro Football Focus, who actually list Josh Jackson at a safety because of how much he plays non-cornerback positions. Last season, he played 22 reps in the box and 16 free safety reps. That's 38 basically non-corner reps, 39 boundary corner reps. Well, Josh Jackson's best position is on the boundary. He also played 24 snaps in the slot. Go back to 2018 when Josh Jackson got off to a bit of a slow start but then at the end of the season, especially the last month, really started to play well. He had 370 snaps on the boundary, 245 in the slot, and it never made sense. It never made sense to put a tall, lanky, playmaking zone corner primarily in the slot. He has some hip stiffness. He has some short area quickness deficiencies. He's got some change of direction deficiencies and he's got some speed deficiencies. Giving a slot receiver a two-way go against him is just not the best way to use Josh Jackson and it never has been. The fact the Packers ever thought this is a good idea is startling. It's staggering in some ways because it just never made any sense. The things that Josh Jackson is best at, and the traits that he has, if you want to project them forward, project as a press boundary corner. He needs to be able to use the sidelines. He needs to be able to get his hands on guys at the line of scrimmage to redirect to use his strength. And while new DB coach Jerry Gray said he needs to put a little bit more finesse in his game, that it can't just be about that strength and length at the line of scrimmage that's where Josh Jackson is always going to be at his best. And he can play off because he is a good zone corner. That is another place where he could potentially thrive. But it's having that sideline as help that can mitigate the speed issues and some of the change of direction concerns. Maybe this is what was needed. And you hope that experimenting with him in these other ways did not hurt his growth as a player because there is still a lot of talent there i thought he was a top 20 talent coming out of the draft he fell to the middle of the second round in what looked like an extremely fortuitous break for the green bay packers if he can be a good player then you have not only insurance if kevin king gets hurt and it's probably more a when than an if you know there then you have Channon Sullivan, who can play in the slot. Jair Alexander, if he goes down, you have Josh Jackson, who can come in and play on the outside. And maybe you can slide Jair Alexander in the slot if something happens to Channon Sullivan, and you can play Josh Jackson on the outside. You have that flexibility that every team is looking for. It also has repercussions for the Packers long-term. The best thing financially for them... Is to have josh jackson take this step forward for them to believe that he is the long-term solution at the position and for that to allow them to let kevin king walk in the offseason and not because kevin king is a bad player or they shouldn't sign him or that he wouldn't help the team long term the problem is this upcoming offseason the 2021 offseason is problematic from a financial situation for every team. Mike Garofolo reported the Packers want to get a deal done with David Bakhtiari before the season starts. Okay, now you got to deal with that financially for next season. You still have Aaron Rodgers' contract on the books. They want to get an extension done with Devontae Adams, with Aaron Jones, so they have to make some decisions here. Cornerback is an extremely important position. So they can't ignore it. They have to have a plan there. If the plan is Josh Jackson can be a starter and now you've got your top three guys locked down and by the way, under contract, that allows you the flexibility to wait on having to invest in that position. And then maybe, you know, Josh Jackson takes a step forward this year. He gets the starting job next year and you can sign him in the middle of the season, let's say, at a cheaper price. He's had fewer starting opportunities, fewer opportunities to establish himself in the league. It adds the risk for Green Bay, but also adds to the risk for Josh Jackson to wait and hit the open market at a time when maybe he hasn't done a ton and his price is not as high as it would otherwise be. Maybe you franchise someone if you need to. Josh Jackson being a really good player is the best case scenario for the Packers There isn't really a way to keep Kevin King and Josh Jackson here long-term. You can't really have both unless it is decided that Josh Jackson is really just a special teams player. But uh, to me, if you compare them prospect to prospect, I I like Josh Jackson a lot more than Kevin King coming out. Now, King has shown a lot more on actual NFL plays On actual regular season snaps, he led the team in interceptions last year and his length and playmaking is real, especially in the red zone. But the injuries are going to be a concern. His consistency is going to be a concern. Short area quickness is also a concern for him. So I think Josh Jackson taking that step forward, I'll put it this way. Jackson reaching the top of his ability, to me, because of his playmaking instincts, is better than Kevin King reaching the apex of his abilities, even though physically he's probably more gifted. Putting Josh Jackson in the best position for him allows him to do that, and he's finally going to be there. And and the fact that the Packers have two safeties they really like, that allows them to say, hey, Josh Jackson, you're going to get every opportunity to succeed at cornerback, and if things really get sideways, we may try you at safety. But you have Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. It was a lot more appealing when Jackson was a rookie to say, let's take this experiment and make him a safety because the safety position was hot garbage then. And the cornerback position looked like there's a lot of talent there. Well, now the Packers have the safety position locked up and they don't need to worry about it in the same kind of way. There's still some questions here with the cornerback position. And, and I think the, the choice for Green Bay in all likelihood and certainly beyond 2020, is going to be Josh Jackson or Kevin King, not Josh Jackson and Kevin King. So if Josh Jackson is finding his mojo, playing just on the boundary where he is supposed to be playing, then that could be the best-case scenario for the Green Bay Packers. And speaking of finding your mojo, I want to talk to you about Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy, although we've talked plenty on this show about it in the past. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you for free with two day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is also simple. Just go to Roman.com slash locked on and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle. Now there's Roman. So go to Roman.com slash locked on NFL. That's Roman.com slash locked on NFL. Sometimes we forget about Aaron Rodgers. We forget about him because his greatness is assumed. And so he comes out and has an outstanding training camp. I mean, Rob Domovsky was putting through the numbers in 11-on-11 in 11 and 11 team, and in the two-minute, Rodgers has been absolutely on fire the last few days and has been sharp to open camp. It's not going to be talked about because he's Aaron Rodgers. And it's he's not going to get the press of hey you know who's looking really good in training, camp? you know who's looking really good, Drew Brees, you know who's looking really good, that Tom Brady guy in Tampa he just looks outstanding, for some reason it's not on Good Morning Football, it's not on First Things First, it's not on First Take, because he's Aaron Rodgers. And we can't have those sorts of discussions about him. We have to be polarizing or we have to have hot takes or he's so great in your mind that it's not worth talking about. But it's important to talk about because it matters. And it matters this year. It matters next year. It matters for the future of the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers has to be better in 2020 than he was in 2018 and 2019 if the Packers want to compete for a Super Bowl. Period. Full stop, end of discussion. He has to be better than he was last year and the year before. The Packers need him, and they need him in a different way than they've needed him in the past. Before it used to be, okay, they cannot win if he's not great. And that was like week to week. They couldn't beat the Bears if Rodgers wasn't great. Well, they beat the Bears twice last year, and Rodgers wasn't great in either of those games. He was pretty good in the second game. He was not good in the first game. They won plenty of games last year when Rodgers was just okay. So anyone in my Twitter mentions talking about, oh, they're still Rodgers, and if, if he doesn't play great, they can't win, and he carries this team, stop it, you're wrong. You're just proving how little you understand about the game. And I'm I'm sorry to be that upfront about it, that blunt about it, but turns out I'm not sorry. It's just not true. It's just not true. The Packers last year won plenty of games with their run game and with their defense, leaning on Aaron Jones. They won that Cowboys game because Aaron Jones ripped the hearts of the Dallas Cowboys out and showed it to them still beating. Yes, Aaron Rodgers owns Jerry World. He has the deed, and and he played fine in that game, but it was Aaron Jones and interceptions that won that game. And against the Bears, the defense won that game. Against the Broncos, the defense won that game. Against the Vikings, the second time, Zadarius Smith single-handedly won that game. They don't need him to be Aaron freaking Rodgers every week. But they will need him in the playoffs to be Aaron freaking Rodgers. And they got him against the Seahawks. They didn't get him until the second half of the 49ers game, and by then it was too late. He needs to go out and be the guy that we've seen if they want to beat the 49ers. And maybe that's not true because Jalen Hurd is out for the year. Debo Samuel is is got a serious foot injury, and we don't know when he's going to be back. We don't know when he's going to be back 100%. It seems unlikely he'd be 100% before like Halloween, but we'll see. And it just came out over the weekend. Brandon Ayuk came up lame in a drill. We don't know how serious that injury is. Came up uh, on, a, on a long pass grabbing the back of his leg. Soft tissue injuries, notoriously tricky. What if the 49ers start out 1-3? Start out and three? Oh, and 4 I mean, all of a sudden, you got a different situation. Now, no home field advantage, potentially. I mean, who knows? By the time the playoffs come, maybe we can have fans in seats. And we will have playoff games at Lambeau. And we will have playoff games in the Superdome and in San Francisco or Santa Clara or San Jose or wherever the hell their stadium is that isn't San Francisco. For the Packers to beat those other great teams, for them for them to beat the Saints, for them to beat the Cowboys, the Eagles, even the Vikings, Rodgers is gonna have to be better than he's been. So if he looks really good in camp, we have to talk about it. If he looks really good and he looks like he's got a rapport with these receivers, I mean, on on Sunday, it was big play after big play, forty yard touchdown, fifty yard touchdown, 50-yard touchdown, just firing laser beams. There was another would-be touchdown. Devontae Adams couldn't quite squeeze it off his fingertips. So those things, I mean, Matt LaFleur talked about trying to create more explosive plays, try to attack the middle of the field better, try to play action better. All of those things start with Aaron Rodgers playing better. And so if he's sharp, if he looks good, if guys are getting open, and they're getting down the field, and he's hitting them, and he's playing consistently that way. All of a sudden, the ceiling of this team changes. The Packers are looked at right now, and a lot of the projections have them in that 9, maybe 10 win range. I see a lot of they win the NFC North with 9 and 7. For the Packers, I think that's based partly on the perceived decline of Aaron Rodgers and and. I don't say perceived as a way of condescending to that notion. Aaron Rodgers is clearly not the player that he was at his pinnacle, at his apex, which is says more about his apex than anything else. But he is clearly not that guy or hasn't been that guy the last two years. Can he still be that guy? Can he have a late career renaissance the way Drew Brees has a little bit the last few years? or the way Philip Rivers is looking to have, or the way Brett Favre, frankly, had. I mean, wouldn't it be poetic for the man who replaced Brett Favre and who watched Favre go off and have these great twilight year seasons have that same kind of late career renaissance with the Packers as opposed to doing it with a team in purple and yellow. For the Packers to get to where they want to get to, for the Packers to be a legitimate Super Bowl team, for them to not be a nine-win team against a tough schedule, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to be really good. And that's true for most teams. If you want to be a really good team, your best players have to play their best. And so Aaron Rodgers looking sharp. If he plays like this and plays with confidence and is attacking the middle of the field, if they can find guys who can get open down the field, Alan Lazard in the middle, MVS down the field, I and mean, we've talked about these guys in camp and the camps that they're having, EQ still impressing, Darius Shepard playing well, Tyler Irvin making plays. Suddenly, if they have some of these guys who aren't just potential, aren't just what-if pieces, and they can go out and, and do the thing, Put all that together, and it elevates the ceiling of this team and puts them in that upper echelon with the Saints and the 49ers. And I don't even think most people would disagree with that. If Aaron Rodgers plays like he did, let's say, in 2016, they can beat anybody, and they absolutely deserve in the conversation as one of the best in the NFC because they're already in that conversation. This is a very good football team with a very good roster. And it was a team whose quarterback did not play with the same consistency that we're used to seeing. It's not that they lost those games because Aaron Rodgers didn't play well, although he didn't play well in either 49er game and did not play great against the Chargers either. They also had some issues blocking. They had some issues defensively. Certainly played well enough against the Eagles to win, but had the fumble, had the bad throw to Darius Shepard that turned into an interception. Sure, Shepard should have caught that, but it also should have been a walk-in touchdown. Aaron Rodgers should have made that throw. The Packers are going to see a different version of this team if Rodgers does take that year 2 leap. And if he does, yeah, we're going to be talking about a Super Bowl team in 2020 and into 2021. I just want to finish up uh, quickly here because I don't want to bore you with the details, but about a half a dozen teams had a slew of false positive COVID tests or what we think are false positive COVID tests. By the time you're listening to this, we may have more information. Uh, It sounds like one of the labs that they've been using has been having some issues with false positives. It's a New Jersey company and the NFL has been very thorough with these tests. They have a very thorough testing process and they're retesting samples and, and they are making sure they're getting this right. In August, this is not a big deal. Because guys can sit out a couple days, you find out, okay, this was these were false positives. They're going to take another couple tests, but they can't be at practice. Well, if this were a game, you'd have a real problem. If this was a regular season issue, now you could be having players sit because of false positives. This cannot happen. So the good news for the league, and by the way, the Green Bay was not affected uh, they, whether they, whether they were or weren't using this testing service, uh, almost doesn't matter. Uh, it, it seems like it was confined to this one lab and you have to get it fixed. You have to get it worked out in some ways. The beauty of it is that it happened now and it didn't happen in September, October, November because they can iron this out. They can identify the problems. They can work out the kinks and they can say, okay. We need to either change our protocols or we need to add backstops or we need to alter the way that we do this. If you test positive, you know, rather than, you know, whatever, maybe, okay, have, a, have another couple tests. And if the couple of them in a row come back negative, maybe we assume false positives or we have these double testing opportunities. I mean, th- there are a lot of different things that they can do and, and maybe just changing the lab that they're using is a good start. But the fact that they can now do this and work on it and put together a plan, okay, this is not something you plan for. What if we have one laboratory that's screwing this all up? All right, now we have a plan for that because we've seen it, we've done it, and we've dealt with it. Now we've And now we've dealt with it, by the way. That's the, that's the most important part is that they've dealt with it and they need to do that because the, the players, the teams, everyone needs to believe in the testing. If you don't believe in the system, Then you have reasons to subvert it. If teams don't think their testing is thorough, if someone says, Hey, look, I feel fine, this positive COVID test is BS, and there are these issues, maybe a team is more likely to say, Yeah, just, you know, just come out and practice, it'll be okay. And now it's a situation where, oh no, they really were positive. That was a real positive, not a false positive, and now you're in trouble. Because now you're you're putting other players at risk when they didn't need to be at risk. Everyone has to feel comfortable with the system. So they need to get this worked out. It seems like they're doing that. I'm actually pretty surprised this has been as seamless as it has been. This is the first real hiccup. The first major hiccup. Because we haven't seen, in terms of real new positives, we haven't seen it at camp. We haven't seen big numbers. I mean, there's there'll be a little group here, two, three guys here, or one guy here, a coach, a staff member. But so far, they have avoided any major issues. That has to be something that sustains in order for this season to sustain. All right, a lot more to get to this week. Uh, tons of, of stuff still that, that we need to talk about. That's the trends that we've been seeing, Rashawn Gary, playing like a monster. We're going to talk about that. There's always stuff coming out of camp that we could talk about. This is real football we get to talk about. Can you believe it? We're talking about real football. Football's back. Sports are back. The NBA playoffs have been great. The Bucs figured their you-know-what out. And Luka Doncic is doing stuff. Oh, my God, Luka's amazing. Luka and Giannis. I mean, come on, you guys. Can you ask for better superstars? This is the best time of the year. Because football is going to be here very, very soon. We already have them out on the field. We already see the videos and the tweets and the reports and the podcasts. And we get to our, we get to be immersed in all of it. And very soon, there will be actual NFL games on your TV screens on Sunday. Get excited. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts you will find. Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay locked on Packers.